Hey, hey, y'all. Welcome to another episode of my podcast, Coffee Talks and Champagne Thoughts. As you guys know, it is Guest Thursday. I have some awesome fun today. But first, make sure you guys are following me on all my social media platforms at Arthur Dana Lynn. And again, if you guys are interested in being on my podcast, make sure you shoot me an email on ArthurDanaLynn at gmail.com. So I have two wonderful guests today. And they are ladies that I just adore, adore, adore. And so I have Pamela Davis. She is the queen of resilience. And then I have the bounce back advocate queen, Lauren Spielman. And I will give them their their time so that they can be able to tell you about who they are, what they do, and also how you can reach out to them if you're interested. So Pam, we'll go ahead and get with you. Tell us about yourself, girl. Hello, Dana Lynn. Thank you for having me on. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yes. Thank you. I appreciate it. Girl, let me tell you something. Look, this started off as a blog, and now I'm talking, and y'all ain't going to be able to get me to shut up now. Listen, <laughs> listen. Well, again, Dana, I am so proud of you. Thank you for having me on today. Uh, like Dana said, my name is Pamela Davis. I am the founder and CEO of Queen of Resilience. And Queen of Resilience is an organization is for women to teach them how to be resilient in every area of their life by increasing mental health awareness, mentorship, and professional development. We simply believe in being brave, centered, and resilient at all times. And the question that I always, um, I'm always asked is, how did you come up with Queen of Resilience? And that goes back 13 years ago while I was on the campus of the University of Missouri-Columbia majoring in pre-med biology, and I received a phone call that changed my life. And with that phone call, my uncle Ornette had passed away, and the night of his service, I actually had my first anxiety attack. And that physician ended up telling me the reason why I had anxiety attack was because of the stressors of being a freshman on campus and also with my uncle passing away. And that anxiety attack led me to be on medication. It led me to actually be uh, removed from the school and coming back to St. Louis, my hometown. But it also took me on a journey of purpose. And with that journey of purpose, that's the reason why I started Queen of Resilience in 2017, because I don't know if you all may know, but one out of four college students have a diagnosable mental illness. And I want us to increase the awareness of mental health when it comes to anxiety, when it comes to depression, whatever you are growing through in your life, you need to know how to overcome. You need to know how to bounce back and you need to have different coping techniques. So with that, I started a program up under Queen of Resilience, and that was called Meet the Queen and King Empowerment Program. And with the Meet the King and Queen Empowerment Program, it's actually, it gives students the tools and resources to become resilient mentally and professionally in order to establish a balanced life. So I want mm -hmm. our students, our youth, to be able to establish a balanced life. And we may not have had a balanced life when we were growing up, but I want to instill that into our students. So that's how Queen of Resilience uh, came about. I'm excited to be on this podcast. 
this uh, afternoon. And you can find me on Facebook, Instagram as uh, Queen of Resilience. And also I have a website, which is www.qornow.com. Oh, I love it. Yes, we're going to get into that. But yes, Lauren, tell us about you, baby. Hello, hello, hello. I think Pam segued into it perfectly when she talked about the importance of bouncing back in the midst of mental health. That is my bread and butter. And that's what the Bounce Back Advocate was all about. The name itself came from my mentor, Ivy McGregor, after her listening to things I encountered in my life and where my passion was. She literally said, honey, you are a fan of the comeback story. You are the bounce back advocate. And that's what I do every single day is I use my personal story to be an advocate for others and let them know that there is no circumstance that they have experienced that they are too far removed to bounce back from. All they have to do is refocus, believe in themselves, connect to a higher power, and it will go from there. So just to give you a little bit of background, in 2017, I went through an extreme period of loss. I lost everything that I knew as my normal from my long-term relationship to the home I was living in, to the car I was driving. And I also, around that time, found out that my son uh, was diagnosed with autism and he was about two years old at the time. So I literally felt like everything that I knew had been stripped from me completely and that God had forgotten about me. And as I was going through uh, my process of depression and anxiety and low self-worth, I found myself either overeating or starving myself. I found myself either being up all night with insomnia or sleeping all day to the point where I was, you know, going multiple days without showering and taking care of myself and also neglecting the needs of my children. And there was a turning point for me that I talk about uh, when I realized I was allowing to let my daughter walk to the bus stop on her own because I was just that uh, lazy and just that much in a zombie state that I didn't even want to get up to put on decent clothes to walk her one block. And I knew at that point that something had to change because this is my baby. This is my pride and joy. And we are in an era where you see a lot more sex trafficking and kidnapping and things like that of children. So at that point, um, I knew I had to seek help, um, and it was also a requirement of the medical leave that I was on from my job to seek help. So through counseling, uh, through prayers and covering from great friends of mine, I was able to learn that God had not forgotten about me, but God needed to completely demolish everything that I knew. He needed to demolish my home that I had found so much comfort in because it had a faulty foundation. And he mm. was able to rebuild me, not remodel, because it, mm-hmm. it was too much bad. It wasn't salvageable. He was able mm. to completely rebuild me from the ground up into his image and what he would have me to be. Uh, so at that point, uh, the Bounce Back Advocate uh, Incorporated was born because I knew that him bringing me through that was not for myself and not for Lauren's glory. It was for the glory of God. And it was for me to reach back with that Sankofa principle and pull up as many other women as I could that were feeling that way. So I created my nonprofit in an effort to assist uh, anybody who needs financial empowerment, spiritual empowerment, mental empowerment, and emotional care as well. And the people that I am specifically called to are those who are where I was. They are part of that lower class community, but they are making too much money to be considered for government assistance, but yet they're still struggling trying to make ends meet. 
And I did a little research and it shows that nearly one third of the American population live in those lower class households. And that equates to about 29%. And that makes up less than two thirds of the national median. So we have to realize that there are people who need help, even though they don't look like they need it on the outside and they may be too dignified to even ask for it. In essence, they don't look like what they're going through. So my organization comes up with retreat style uh, conferences and meetups in order to help these people to pour back into themselves, uh, to relax and to take the time to love on themselves because they are too busy pouring out to others that they don't take that time to do for self. So I help them to refocus and recharge and reignite that purpose that they have inside of them, uh, but it's just been lying dormant. And so I make sure that we do whatever we can to push it out as their personal cheerleader. You can actually find me on Facebook under Lauren Spearman, uh, my first and last name. You can find me on Instagram under The Official Lauren altogether. And then I have a website that will be launching soon. It's going to be bouncebackadvocate.com. It's not quite ready yet, but it will be launching soon. Y'all know what? I love these two ladies. And the reason why I had them on today and I actually why I had them together is because I can relate in so much on both levels. Um, when Pamela was talking about actually going through anxiety and depression, um, I actually went through anxiety and depression myself. Um, and it was in 2012, 2013, when, when Lauren was talking about how she lost everything, that was when the moment that Again, like how Lauren was saying, how God had to take you and, and rebuild you and demolish the person that you thought you were supposed to be and rebuild the person that he wanted you to be. I went through both of those episodes. Um, in depression and anxiety, I actually lost myself. Um, I went through being a college student till the next day in a wheelchair, uh, disabled all of those type of things in one setting. Like there was no way that I could even see it coming, no nothing of that sort. Um, and trying to, like Lauren was saying, rebuild yourself from that is very hard. And that caused me to go into a mass depression, mad anxiety. So just like Lauren was saying, just like Pamela was saying, I just didn't know who I was anymore. Um, I didn't want to get up out the bed. I didn't want to do the things that I normally like to do. And it wasn't until I was at a dark spot um, where I realized, okay, something has got to give because I got to be better for myself. I got to be better for my child and I want better. And God was like, when you're ready, when you're ready to recognize what I'm doing for you and not necessarily to you, then you and I can move forward. So that's why I had these two ladies together because I think a lot of us are always afraid to talk about how we got to where we are. You know, we talk about some of these um people that we watch on social media, you know, and they don't always talk about how they got to where they are. They just are, you know, they just are popular and everybody has to go through something to become something. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Um, yes. And I think a lot of us, and I will say this in the black community, we are afraid to admit our struggles. Mm -hmm. We are made, we are afraid to admit where, what our dark spots look like until we are so high up at the top that nobody can care about what the dark spot looked like. Wow, that's and, good. And I mm -hmm, am one of those mm -hmm. people where I'm like, be authentic now, so when you do get up at the top, you're yes. just even more authentic. 
You know, it's like a Louis bag, a Louis, you know, Louis Vuitton bag. We all know that. We know what the authentic look like, correct? And mm-hmm. we know what the fake look like. And it's the same way with us. We got to treat ourselves like that. Like, I'm authentic, so I'm going to tell you the real of the real, you know. I wasn't always happy. I wasn't always in a nice place. You know what I'm saying? I was just like when I had lost my my home. I had lost my car. I was almost about to lose my kid. Like, I was at that dark spot. And I was afraid to admit that I was going through depression, that I was going through anxiety. Because, again, in the black community, when we say we got depression or anxiety, the first thing we think, oh, she cuckoo. Oh, it's something real wrong with her. Or, mm-hmm. no, we don't have that because we have God. God had 12 disciples. You mean to tell me if he didn't have to have 12 people, you think that we ain't got to have somebody? And yeah. it baffles me when people just don't want to admit what they've gone through and they just want to wait until they become popular. Oh, yeah, girl, I struggled. Okay, but it don't look like you struggle now. What did you struggle through? You know what I'm saying? How I want you to be tangible for me, you know? So I had these ladies on here today because both of them are on the same platform in different areas. And I think we need to start having more of that. You know, we have to start being more of admitting about mental illness. But we also have to be more... Um, open about being tangible you know how did you get where you are you know and what did you do through your dark times and what did your dark times look like so that the sister sitting next to you who's actually going through that she can relate to you because it's like man she know what i'm talking about she was there you know she's been Mm -hmm. through that as i talk to her she it's real for her you know Mm -hmm. so that's why Mm -hmm. i had these ladies on here today but what their topics are talking about i love because This is what I mean. And the topic for today is who is sitting at your table? We always talk about, well, let's not go to the corporate table. Let's let's build our own. And that's great and all. But who's at your table? You know, is it a financial assistant? You know, is it a therapist? Is it a mentor? Are these people higher than you? Or are they below you? And so I want to ask you guys, what do you, when you guys think about building your own table, what does that look like? So either one of you all, Pam, Lauren, whoever, when you think about building your table, as you build your brand, as you build yourself up, what does your table look like? Your round table. How does it look? You know, who's sitting there? Who wouldn't you bring? And why wouldn't you bring them? So either one, shoot, I got it. <laughs> I, I'll take a, I'll okay. start with that. Okay, one. okay, um, okay. When it comes to building my table, first and foremost, they have to have a foundation in God. That's, okay, that's first okay. and foremost. They have to be wise beyond their years. They have to be mm. tied to women. They have to be tied to women. Mm. And with being a tightest to women, that's a person that's older than you that's grounded in the world that's grounded in the professional mm-hmm. world that can take you higher and take you to the next level and sometimes you don't even know that this person they can really they can really take you to the next level but the wisdom that they feed inside of you you know and they pour inside of you the countless hours they spend with you those people mm-hmm. are important and then have people that are more knowledgeable than you and that are experts in their craft. So when Ooh. I think of my circle and I think of my table, I have clinicians, I have financial advisors, I have mentors, I have speakers, I have ministers. Because if I am not 
strong in that area. I want someone else to be strong because I do not want to be sitting at the table and I'm the strongest person at the table. Because mm-hmm. what happens when I am weak, who I'm going to lean on to? Spiritually, yes, I can lean on God, but there will there will come times that sometimes that we can't even pray because we're so weak. So I need my sister that has wisdom and that has a foundation and that's business-minded to pour into me at my weakest moment. So that is very important to me, even with my team. I did not go out and pick and say, hey, you believe in God, you should be on my team. But it was automatically, these people automatically was gravitated towards me. Okay. And it was all God doing. Okay, so you're saying that it was kind of like you didn't pick them, but you could, like, when you sat in a room with them, you felt that spirit. Yes, I felt that okay. same spirit, that okay. same connection. There have been okay. times where God would tell me I could be in a room. He could tell me, go speak to that person. Go talk mm-hmm. to that person. Go tell that person about your organization. Okay. Okay, I, and love, that's it. The, I love it. that's the connection. That's the network. Okay. 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 What about you, Lauren? Tell me. Lauren, can you hear us? Oh, yes, I hear you. Somebody was calling me. <laughs> I'm so sorry about that. So, yes, That's okay. when it comes to my table, my table is actually, um, it has evolved over time. I will say that. Okay. There are different levels of people at my table. We talk about ones, twos, and threes. And um, the ones are uh, people that are aspiring to get to where you are. Um, The twos Mm. are people that are at your same level, your peers, and the threes are people who are where you are aspiring to be. Um, I like to keep a mixture of both, I'm sorry, of all three, simply because they provide, they serve different purposes and provide different perspectives. So when I have, um, you know, people that look to me for mentorship, I like to keep them at my table at a certain position because they keep me grounded. Um, they help me continue to to dream. They have a fresh perspective. They're bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, and they are wanting to soak up and learn what they can. So they keep me wanting to study and grow so that I can continue to feed them and continue to feel as though I am serving them a purpose. So they uh, boost me up in that way and provide me with strength in that way. And then I have my peers who are on the same level with me who can uh, speak life into me and who can brainstorm with me and relate to where I am in the now. And they can tell me, you know, okay, girl, I like what you're doing there, but maybe you want to do something a little different like this. Or, you know, hey, girl, you know, I like what you're doing, but, you know, I may have to check you on that. You know, they're kind of like my reality check. Um, And they Mm. also inspire me because they are in the same point of their lives. They may not be in the same profession that I'm in, but they're in the same point of their lives where they are chasing after what God has for them and chasing after purpose. So uh, talking to them allows me to relate on a different level. And then, of course, my threes, which is my mentorship, which is huge because my mentorship is what allows me to see beyond um, the trees for the whole forest. 
And she allows me to stretch myself beyond my comfort zone. You know, there are a lot of people that will keep you comfortable and be yes, man. But my mentor stretches me and prepares me for the levels that she sees that God has for me. So even from, you know, the smallest advice of, okay, every woman needs a black dress, a big purse, a pair of heels and a pair of flats in order to be prepared or advice, you know, so simple as. Anytime you go somewhere where you're looking to receive, make sure that you're sowing a seed, um, whether it be your time, your talent, or your treasure. Because anytime you open your hands to give, you need to be willing to receive from someone, especially people at high levels, because they don't want to just, you know, everybody around them wants to take, 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 take. So you need to come to them in the way of asking, how can I be of service to you? How can I serve your vision? Um, so, you know, those nuggets of advice and wisdom and that will take me and propel me to the next level. So my table is very diverse. Um, there are all different age groups. There are all different walks of life. But I feel as though I need that diversity because it allows me to be able to blend in and feel comfortable in any space that God caused me to walk into. I don't feel intimidated by any atmosphere because my table has prepared me. Um, so I've got those keep it real people, um, intellectual people. I have my spiritual counsel. I have, you know, my friends and relatives from way back. Um, and then, of course, my board, who is my immediate team, uh, that also are a part of lifting me up. So their professions are, are very diverse. I have um, someone that has been in administration for over 25 years. I have um, a clinician uh, as well who is a part of my board, and she's my director of mental health uh, to handle counseling. I have uh, someone who's in education and higher education. She actually works for a college. I have an accountant who's also a caseworker. Um, and then I have an entrepreneur who literally is a Jill of all trades. She can do anything. Um, so I just love the fact that uh, my table is a representation of where I am now, uh, where I once was, and where I'm looking to go. Uh, it's a good makeup of all of those three things. And I like to keep my table in the shape of a circle because I like to be able to see everybody and everybody to have an equal position and an equal view. And a lot of times that's hard when you have that square or that rectangle um, you know, type of table, but I love that circle format in my life and in my table. I love it. Woo, y'all gave me, y'all gave us some gems right now. And I love it because um, when I think of a table, when I think of people saying, okay, let's, especially, you know, in our community now, you know, building a table, um, you always have to think of who are you bringing because they are a representation of you. You know, it's like, Birds of a feather flock together, correct? Mm -hmm. um, and so that goes to the same way with your, your table because they are representation of who you are, the representation of your brand, what you stand for. So my question next is, if you had to remove a person all out of your, out of your, off your table, from your table, why and how do you go about doing that? Because some of us don't know how to say, okay, this person is no longer serving me purpose, but maybe we're an empath. And so we're so sweet and so kind. We don't want to hurt that person's feelings. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. And we don't really know how to say no to them. We just keep saying yes in hopes that maybe they'll become that person that we see. But in reality, they have already given us all the red flags. How do you remove a person 
from your table knowing that it was the best choice for you, your brand, and everybody else that's sitting around? I can take that one. Um, me personally, I had to have this happen. And okay. it was a heartbreaking experience for me. I haven't um, yet even talked about it. But one of the main people that was instrumental in me getting my confidence back, um, the person who even asked me the question, what are your dreams? Where do you see yourself? And would send me different people to follow and to look into. Um, I was in a relationship with at that point in time where the bounce back advocate was just forming and okay so that person was extremely instrumental um in giving me the confidence to even know that I could do this um to celebrate wins with me uh to bounce ideas off of and to even be that that filter to say oh I don't think this opportunity is right for you or make sure you look into this contract that person was huge, okay? okay. So okay. when I got to a point where certain things were exposed about that relationship and about that person, it absolutely broke my heart to have to sever that tie because okay. um, I separated in my mind the romantic relationship from the friendship from the business connection. I had compartmentalized gotcha. all of those. So even when I knew the romantic situation was no longer going to work or serve my life, I still longed for that friend and I still longed for that business savvy person to give me that advice. Um, so it was extremely hard for me, but I knew that that person came as a package. And as long as I stay connected to that person, then I was going to remain connected to brokenness and connected to mm -hmm. deception. And I had mm. to move beyond that. Um, so what it took, honestly, um, was once God uh, revealed and exposed what he needed to to me, because, you know, the first couple of red flags, you know, as women do, I was like, oh, is that a red flag or is it more coral? You know, right. I, I don't really know. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, we because we want we see the good and we hope yes. that what we see in our brain gets you know morphed into the person that we're looking at. But God like looks sis, how many flags you need? How, how many, many flags do you, you need? need? And I'm like, you know, that, that person was giving me the responses that I needed to hear and I wanted to hear. So it was initially very tough. But once it was all put out there, what I honestly had to do. Um, was I had to sever that tie completely to the point of just blocking from everything, um, from every form of communication. I had to completely block. And then in my alone time with God, you know, he began to reveal to me that um, that old notion that, yes, people are in your life for a season and for a purpose. And sometimes mm -hmm. we let people prolong that expiration date and let people prolong that season or let them let the relationship elevate into a place that was not meant to go. Uh, so that's what helped me to come to terms with it was, okay, that person was in my life for that season. And, you know, they, they served their purpose and they got me to this point. But now in order for me to continue to bear fruit and to grow and to get the things that had been delayed because of my association with that person, I've got to cut ties completely. I've got to let them go. And when I tell y'all, um, this maybe happened in April, so this is real fresh. But I mean, blessings out of out of nowhere. Blessings on blessings on blessings on Ooh, blessings out of nowhere. Baby, 
And I know we talking about, you know, the table, but when it comes to relationships and us as women, and like I told you guys, yes. this is kind of like girl talk. This is real life girl talk. But I think a lot of times we block our blessings because of the relationships we try to hold on to. It's like a rope. Have you guys ever played uh, tug of war? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, you guys know I love kids. So I've played tug of war with kids. And, you know, if it's so many people, the heavyweight is on the other end and you holding up that rope and it starts sliding through your hand. You know how it burns? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It burns real bad. Mm-hmm. But you know, let go. <laughs> yes. Let go. The burn is still there, but the healing starts because you're not holding on to that rope no more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it's like with relationships. And I don't care if it's a romantic one, um, a uh, friendship one, or a business one. They are like a tug of war rope. And they pulling you one way, you pulling another way, and it's just burning until finally you like, you know what? Um, I can't have too much of my skin coming off now. Yeah. You know, because... <laughs> But that and God and you know and God becomes the healer because he was like now see how hard was that you let go and look at you now you're healing so much better you you can't even tell your skin was peeling off yesterday you know what I'm saying that's good mm-hmm. um but I guess when I say that and I ask about that because you know when um, Lauren spoke about relationships because relationships actually go into who's at your table um and Pam this one is actually for you. Mm-hmm. when it comes to at your table are friends at your table or are they just off limits like you can ask them advice but should they be at your table because some people say friends should stay friends and business should stay business and both of those should be separate and they shouldn't be coming at the table how does that work that's interesting that you that you had me um answer this question because friends are at my table uh really? when i first started queen of resilience my friends were the ones that say, hey, girl, what you need? What you need me to buy? What are we going to do? What event are we going to? I mean, they was there. Okay. Uh, but at the same time, you have to be very careful, and there has to be a thin line, and they have to know business is business. I'm not Pam, your friend right now. I'm Pam, the CEO, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Okay, you okay, okay. separate that. It's, it's very difficult. Um, A lot of us have went through trying times throughout this um, season, you know, last year I lost my mom. So I was going through so much and I needed a board that had two or three of my friends on that board because they can understand me and they know me. And at first, like I said, at, at first they was there at the beginning, but you have to have ground rules. You know, you have to have, um, boundaries as well, because sometimes, you know, when you're working and you're an entrepreneur, you like to work late, but you have to separate it. After 10, okay. no more queen of resilience, <laughs> you know. You <laughs> be calling your friend after 10 unless you guys have that boundary in their relationship, you know. But yeah. boundaries when friends are on your board or if they are part of your team is very essential to growth. I know individuals will tell you that they do not believe uh, with, believe in having friends on your team or on your board but I do have a couple of my friends that's on my board and they are essential because they was there at the beginning and they wanted to be a part of the mission and when people believe in your mission they want to go with you yeah yeah I will agree with that um and Lauren I'll give you a chance to speak but I will say this um I have friends that I have known for what 10 years plus 
um, we've been with each other and we didn't even realize we had been friends so long until actually we had a brunch date and we were like, dang, we've been around each other for this long. Mm -hmm. Um, but they are not on my, they're not on at my table. They are, how can I say this? They're, they're not at my table. And because I've had bad experiences with having friends at the table. So you definitely don't want to lose those type of friends. Yes. But they are, they are at the concession stand or they're the receptionist. They're, they're like the back, back people. Does that make sense? Like, and, 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 and Dana, you know who to bring with you in that setting yes. or not. You have yes. to use, you have to use discernment. I have very yeah. good friends in, in high places, but I know this person, I can go to for advice, but do I want this person to sit on my board? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you don't mean any harm. And like my right. friends, I go to them for advice. They help me build my business and they are that. But, and I support their business, but I would never have them at my table. It's not because they're not good enough and not best enough. I care, I, so about, I care so much about our friendship. I would never want something to go wrong. Something so simple as money or miscommunication Correct. that I love. 11 plus years of friendship over something like that and it happens every time you know all the time we hear it all the time so for them they are kind of like the 12 disciples that god had they, that, that's exactly who they are they mm -hmm. are the ones mm -hmm. that say girl i think you need to slow down hey girl i don't think you should do it that way okay girl let me tell you like they are that you know what mm -hmm. i'm saying that extra mm -hmm. back so when i'm getting ready to fall back they are literally the hands pushing me up, say, nope, you're going to keep on going. And this is why you need to keep on going. But I don't have them at my table because I care that much about our friendship. Mm -hmm. Like, I, and I just don't want it to fall because of, I don't want to say stupidity, but because of, like you say, business is business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I see it happen every day. And I, even Lauren was talking about hers. That's a perfect example. You know what I'm saying? And that person didn't mean no harm and Lauren didn't mean no harm. But sometimes we don't know because like, I, like she said, sometimes they are the only cheerleaders we have at that time. Yeah, but I, I agree. Mm -hmm. Especially when you're starting off. Yes, yes. Because Especially. they're the, yeah, cause yeah. They, know, they know what you have. They know what you're um, capable of. But I would never want my friends at a table because money plus business plus friends something always goes wrong and all of that hard work of friendship goes out of drain over something that could have to me could have been fixed if you just say you know what let them be your extras you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. let them be your network you know how you have t-mobile at&t and verizon <laughs> <laughs> and you never see who's all behind at&t you never see who's all behind uh t-mobile but they there that's mm -hmm. who they are for me. They that mm -hmm. network. And making sure every place I go, there is a, a tower that allows me to network. Does that make sense? Yeah, I definitely feel like you have to have, if you have friends on your board and at your table, they have to be the right type of friends. I agree. Like for me, for yeah. me personally, I would, my friends are so dope in their own right. I would be silly to look over them and to outsource okay uh, because because okay. as as confident and talented and spiritually based as they are individually they also know me and my quirks and how i work 
and we just kind of gel together. We complement each other in that way. But what I learned from a young man named Elder Mark Moore out of Atlanta, Georgia, is that the people that you have at your table need to love and and be so for your vision Mm -hmm. that even if they're mad at you, they love that vision so much that they're still there and they're still going to work hard. If people are around you because they love you, when y'all fall out, the mm. vision is dead. Right, but, right, right. But right. if they love the vision, you know what I'm saying? If, if their love for the vision is so great, then even when they fall out with you, they still going to show up. They mm. may show up and, and okay. have, you know, y'all may have to work through it a little bit, but they're still going to show up for the vision because the vision means so much to them and they believe so much in seeing the vision through. Um, and so I that's that's the that. lesson he taught for sure is that make sure that they're not there solely for you. They also got to be there for that vision. That's and I exactly, think, and yeah. I love that. I love that because yeah. I think my my friends and I learned this when I had my uh, book signing. Okay, I love how all of my friends were there. Like each one was there, whether they and all of them bought a book, but they were there for me. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And I know that they will always support me, vice versa. Does that make sense? Yes. But when it comes to my vision, not saying that they don't serve it, but I will say every thought process is different. And so I know that them sitting at my table, they may sit there, but again, they like more of the network, making sure the network is going. Like they're going to look over and say, okay, sis, I don't think you need to have her at that table because, uh, yeah, something going on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but, you need those eyes. Yes, they you are do. the you eyes. Do. They are the eyes and ears, and they're more of the voice because I am an empath. I'm that person that I will be like, "No, it's okay, okay." You know, and, <laughs> and I have one friend. No, yeah. you know, I will. I will yeah. be that person, and because I have such a, you know, I'm such a softy. I'll be honest. I'm a softy, but I have one friend. As sweet as she is, she be like, uh, sis, no, no. She like, you want me to go say something? I'll say something. No, <laughs> you know. And I love it because I need those people. Or they'll pull me to the side and be like, you know what? You need to say something. And I know you got it in you. Because I know when somebody says something to you, their west side get in you. Their west side need to get on her. You know, like they amp me up in that way. But they're not necessarily at my table per se because the type of vision and sometimes even the time that is required, they don't have. Mm-hmm. But their support is still there, you know, because they're still that network. Mm-hmm. Um, and so mm-hmm. I love That's how important. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love how you input it, um, Lauren, because sometimes we don't forget that. Or we we forget it because we're like, oh, that's my friend. She loves me. Yeah, but she may not see the vision like you see it. So she can still be your friend behind, you know, you know, behind and support you as a network, making sure that, hey, you good? What's going on? Come on, girl. You got this. But the way your vision is seen, they don't see it. You know what I'm saying? And it's nothing wrong with that. That's just where their ties of support can lie because they don't, they can't see it. Um, and, and not even just seeing it, but having a passion for it. And that's it. And there's yeah. nothing wrong with it. It doesn't mean that they don't love you. They just can't that's love true. the passion that you have because it may not be interesting in them. 
You know, and every and everybody cannot walk with you to your vision and walk it out. Yes, yeah, yes, yes. walk it out because they don't understand it. Even even your team sometimes don't understand it. Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you and, have to be yeah. able to help them understand the mission and the vision. But once they lock in and say, "I believe in that." Pam okay. might have made me mad one day, <laughs> but I believe in the mission and the vision. And if I believe in the mission and the vision, I'm going to keep stepping with this organization and this team. Mm, yep. I love that. So I, I, I think Lauren spoke on it before. Do you, does everybody look like you? Meaning that everybody's black or everybody's, you know, um, well, basically everybody's black. Cause I know both of you spoke on, you know, how some people are older, some people are wiser. But do you believe in having, um, what I say, a melting pot at your table? I'm big on that. And maybe it's something wrong with me, but not. And I'll say why. I have been in the room with with white women, um, Hispanic women, and they've had the vision for me. And they, like you say, they've been wiser in it. Uh, they've been in the corporate office and know what it's looking for. And I think me being able to educate them, okay, well, this is what my community is looking for. I found it so rewarding because especially in the time that we are right now, it, it's needed. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people, you know, when we talk about Tyler Perry's um, and all the other people, how well we're going to make our own table. Is it necessary that everybody look just like you? I think mm-hmm. it's a, I think it's a matter of, um, preference and life experience for okay. me for me personally right now my table is all heavily melanated however okay. um, I did encounter a, a dynamic woman by the name of Dana Kelly uh, and Dana is an activist she's a businesswoman. Um, she's truly Dana awesome is- Girl, and, um, I love mm-hmm. me some Dana. She's a <laughs> dope person. She's so dope. I actually had the joy of being on a panel with her for the back the uh, Black Business Women's Brunch. And at okay. our meeting, listen to what she did. At our meeting for the Black Business Women's Brunch, she asked the question. She said, is there a reason why this is not open up to women of other races? Mm. And we all kind of looked at each other like, well, it, you know, we need this. Our community needs this. We don't have enough stuff that's just for us. But Dana brought up the most eloquent point. She said, okay, I see what you're saying. But in, mm-hmm. in, the, in the grander scheme of things, she said, when I look at the women uh, that I have access to in my organization, they are uh, CEOs of diversity inclusion at their various corporations. And, okay. and they are white or they are Hispanic or they are um, you know Middle Eastern so they need me and my voice in order to help them make the better decisions as the director of diversity inclusion at their companies so I need mm-hmm. to be able to mingle with these women because these women's voices and this these women have the power to create change on a totally bigger level to help me implement the programs and the things that I want to do. So I definitely took that to heart. Like, that is so true. There are other women who have a passion for the plight of the Black woman and who have access to grants and access to making decisions on speakers and having access to implement programs for diversity for their corporations. But if we don't make those connections or we don't let them in, you know, then we will stay in a box. 
you know, within our community. And I think it's much better to think on the grander scheme. So I, yeah. I hope yeah. to encounter and build those relationships because she truly opened my eyes on that. I, I, uh, Dana, I want to uh, chime in on that one. I definitely okay. agree. Um, I'm not sure if you all know, but Ava DuVernay, she just became elected to the Board of Governors for the Academy. Yes, and, I saw that. And yes. Awesome. And when you talk about diversity um, of inclusion and directors, first, I would say is that, yes, should we go out and build our own tables as, as Black women? Absolutely. But once mm. you have built your table, then you need to go and be a catalyst of change in different organizations. Yep, that's key. That you need to focus on the policies and procedures and take it to a whole nother level. Mm-hmm. We don't need to build our own tables and then keep it to ourselves. Right. Come on. Because now. we don't live in a world yes. with just black women. Yeah. Come on. And that's the that's the problem sometimes. You know, I believe in black power. <laughs> of <laughs> but, course. But yeah. at the same time, you seclude yourselves and like Lauren said, you put yourself in a box when, oh, well, I just want this event to be black. Uh, only black women or I want this event to be only for men no how how about black women men white Asian Hispanic and let us change the world together come on absolutely because God wants our reach to be far beyond anything we can ever ask or think he wants to enlarge our territory and it would be so small of us to think that only black women need to be queens of resilience or only black Mm -hmm. women need to bounce back he put an anointing on our lives so that we can touch everybody who has a need regardless of what their color is Um, so of course we can always like she like Pam said start our table and build our table in our community but we've got to have that bigger vision and bigger focus once it's built to implement change on a much grander scale and you know what? The reason why I asked this, you guys, is because I had to, I have found that 90% of my clients are white. Hmm. And one lady who, you know, she and I are getting together for coaching. She is, I want to say she's Native American, but, you know, we were talking and I was joking with my um, published, uh, publisher, I'm sorry. Uh, I said, do you know, I get more white people that buy my book Mm. than I do black people. Mm. And I actually get more white men. And I said, and I would pray and I said, Father, what is it? You know what I'm saying? Because I know I'm light-skinned, but, you know, (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm I'm an African-American person. I know my daddy is light, like, you know, that's a light man, but he's still a black man. And I say, well, Father, is it because of my color? You know, and my my publicist said, no, it's probably because somewhere in you, you can't see it, you don't know it. You they are able to gravitate to you. And through you, like you guys are saying, they're able to get an understanding of the African American culture. And one of my first interviews about my podcast was with a white woman. And she and I clicked as if we had been together for God knows how long. And I said, I don't know if it's because I talk proper. I'm like, because I can be, you know, I can be, you know, from the West Side now, honey. I can get there, but I just couldn't understand it. But like you guys were saying, I embrace it because I believe 
nobody goes and buys a coloring um, package with all the same colors. I don't care if it's the, uh, the brown one. All the brown is not the same. Right. There's beige. There's dark brown. There's light brown. There's shaded brown or whatever you want to call it. So if none of us want to live in a world with the same, you know, uh, race, ethnicity, why would you want your business in that same light? Because you don't know who, like you guys were saying, who you're missing out on because that white woman or that native woman, that Asian person, whomever, you can speak on, speak to the same way that you spoke to the sister that was in there yesterday. And I was like, God, I don't get it because even in my not-for-profit, there are more white kids that I actually mentor to than our black kids. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. don't know why. And I said, um, I know I speak hood to them sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but like you said, y'all don't laugh at me. For real. I'm like, I know they hear it. I know they see it. Now, doggone it, I know they see it with my daughter. She hood rich now. Um, but <laughs> I say, well, Father, if that's what I'm supposed to do, show me how to do it. Mm-hmm. Because it mm-hmm. actually scares me. It, 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 I am scared of it. Because I don't know how to walk into it still with my head high. Does that make sense? It's not Come because on. I'm not afraid of who I am. Because I love who I am. It's just an uncomfortable, yet I'm learning how to get comfortable platform. And I had to tell my pa, I'm like, girl, I don't understand. I don't know how to, I don't know how to feel. I don't know what to do. You know, I'm not going to back down, but if it, it, it literally scares me. And this is the first time I've told anybody this, mm-hmm. but 90% of my people are white. Yeah. But that's God. That's God trying to expand your reach. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. He does not want you to just be with black kids he wants you to be right. the black asian <laughs> like i said the hispanic you know we sometimes we stuck in that box and he wanted to take us to another level and baby i will tell you guys growing up and lauren knows this growing up i was never taught that there was a box mm-hmm. i never was taught that never was taught that if you met my father my father was the father of all of my friends yeah even my sister's friends he was that father that I don't care if you was dark, 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 if you was white, if you whatever. He was their father. And so everybody knew, knew him as daddy. You know what I'm saying? My mother, who worked with pretty much predominantly white people, taught me, you know, you love everybody. You know, there's no such thing as, well, only like this, only like that. No, everybody has everybody's skin. When you cut it, it bleeds the same. So I was never taught a box. I don't even know what the box looked like. And I was the daughter where I would listen to, um, I may listen to Lil Wayne, but then turn around and listen to um, Green Day. Yeah, Britney Spears. Britney Spears. (laughs) No, I I didn't see anything wrong with it. Mm -hmm. Because my parents never taught me, okay, you only supposed to do, there was never a box for us never and Dana our teachers were some of the most amazing white people I've ever met in my life down at Cardinal River yes wow yeah yeah and so Mm -hmm. and even when I went to a pretty much all white school um in middle school even our group of um our age group or should I say our class we didn't see it like that like if I liked the white dude I liked the white he was a dude Mm -hmm. you know that's all I 
But I think as we got older, you know, and race started really implementing and I went to an HBCU and I'm so glad I went to an HBCU because I did see the difference, but the box was still gone. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I learned about heritage mm-hmm. because my high school and of course my college taught me, but I embraced on both sides. Like if I, like I said, if I flip it today, I'm going to, I'm going to listen to Green Day, but tomorrow I'm going to, you know, me and Lil John finna hit the scope, you know what I'm saying? Hit it big. <laughs> but now, because I guess as we get older, I don't know what happened. It's like, oh, it's something wrong when you and a white person sit next to each other. Or, I don't know how to say it, but it just, it baffled me for real to know that most of my clients are white people. I think, honestly, every mm-hmm. experience that we have throughout our life is for a reason. It's to shape us. It's to shape our viewpoint. And I feel like when God made you, he made you to stand out. He made you to be um, against the grain and against the norm. So therefore, you have a special anointing to go into these rooms where not everybody looks like you, but you're able to relate just as well. You're able to uh, represent a different form of blackness that a lot of them will never otherwise get to see. You know, there's the the form of blackness Mm -hmm. that people see on the media that it seems to be threatening or violent, all these stereotypes. But when you enter a room, Dana, you get to show them a form of godliness and Mm -hmm. a form of blackness that they would not otherwise be accustomed to. And you have been given that heart based on all of your previous experiences to be able to relate to them because the honest to God truth is all of the things that our respective nonprofits, um, advocate for are universal mm-hmm. universal things depression yes. depression doesn't have a color anxiety doesn't have a color motherhood struggles doesn't have have a color poverty struggles does not have a color come on now yes so therefore it's to me an honor that god would select you to be that person that could not only represent in a room full of their black counterparts but can relate to a room full of their white counterparts and have relationships with white clientele as well. Um, So I just hope that you will continue to walk in that boldness and to accept that that call because it's truly a blessing. Yeah, and I I, I walk in it and I accept it and embrace it with all honesty. I trust me. I was just like, I guess I was kind of taken aback and I was like, Okay, they do know I'm black, right? Like, <laughs> like I almost, you know, I had to ask. I said, "Well, Sierra, do you think, you know, my publisher?" I said, "Do you think I'm, I'm like almost white?" She was, like, <laughs> she started laughing. I said, "I don't know," because it just took me aback. But I love it, like you say, um, because if I can be that, then I'll be that. I'm okay with being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And like you say all of the things that we talk about, all the things that we advocate for, there is no color for, you know, people, mental illness, like you said, there's no color for that. You know, um, motherhood, everybody is a mother at some point in their lives, you know, stepmom, you know, uh, godmom, whatever, but there's no real, you know, there's no color for that, you know, but it's just like, okay, father, I don't really know how to do that. And when I looked in your Bible, there wasn't no section to say, okay, you know, when you do this and this platform has this, this is what you do. I'm like, (laughs) 
let me figure out how to do this one. <laughs> and I just, I like everything you guys talked about about at the table because I love when people are talking about building their tables, but it's one thing to build your table, but it's another thing to organize your table. Mm -hmm. And when you organize your table and when you bring certain people to your table, that is a definition of if you're going to rise or fall. And I think both of you have set the tone um, for people who are listening to sit back and observe whether if their table is already set or if they're preparing to set their table. And what made me even think of this topic, I was thinking of B. Simone, okay? Uh -huh. And you guys know about her book, right? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, and the scandal, and that has a lot to do with who was at your table. Mm -hmm. um, and who was sitting around you and who you trusted. Um, and not to say that the young lady did it on, on purpose or what have you. But that has a lot to do because now it still falls on her. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. She may not have had the hand in doing it, but it was done because it was the person that was sitting in a chair at her round table. Um, so those were that's what made me uh, think of who's sitting at your table. Um, because, again, I think let me say this. How can I say this? I, I love everybody. Mm -hmm. No, yeah, I do. I love everybody. But when it comes to my brand and my business, you got to think about how hard you work for it. Like Pam was saying, she may stay up at 10, 10 o'clock at night working on her brand. Doesn't necessarily mean that the people at her table do it. But because she puts all the time in it, she's going to look twice about who's sitting at her table, who's going to be handling what it took her, you know, five or six hours to organize. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And like I said, when I heard about the V Simone thing, I'm like, that's what we're going to talk about. Who is at your table? Because, chair, I feel so bad for that baby. I do. Somebody, somebody should have guided her. Somebody should have told her. Well, yeah. You know, my... Somebody should have said, sis, now, do you really want to do this? <laughs> but my biggest thing is, at the end of the day, regardless of who is at your table, the table is yours. So it's up to you to implement, yeah. okay. the, yeah. to implement checks and balances, to do the proper research. And so my issue with B. Simone was simply that you came up with this book, right? And you told, yeah. you told everybody that this book was going to help them to manifest anything they wanted in life based mm -hmm. on your own personal story of how you made it from rags to riches. Okay. So if you went through that personally, there should not have been a letter, a word, a sentence on that page, a graphic that you did not personally go through and put in yourself or put your stamp of approval on based yeah. on the fact that, okay, this is directly from my experiences. So, and, and I'm not, I haven't written a book yet. I haven't been blessed to write my book yet, but Dana, you have, so you have, mm -hmm. you have better authority to speak on this, but I just did not understand how this was your book that you said was based on your story and you were using this to help other people, but yet you outsourced uh, a lot of the key components to help women guide themselves through the book and do the work on themselves. Right. I'm going to be honest. When I saw that she had a book coming out, something to, I, I just wasn't in, I wasn't impressed. 
And I hadn't even thumbed through it. You know how sometimes you can go on Amazon and go through the book prior to purchasing. I didn't mm-hmm. even, it was the cover mm-hmm. of the book. It was just something that just didn't gravitate to me to say, buy this book. Um, and I remember everybody getting it. Oh, I can't wait. And then somebody was talking about, oh, well, there's only like these little self-help things that's in there. But I'm going to say this. I I can't tell y'all what made me not want to get the book, but I will say this. When you are writing something to manifest and sharing your story, that takes time. Uh It does not happen overnight. It took me, I actually originally started even thinking of writing a book in 2010. Wow. I didn't originally, yes. And I was afraid to write my book because I was afraid of what people will think because that's naturally any writer will tell you mm-hmm. that's naturally the one of the first things we think about is okay this is going out to the public once it's out there i can't take it back mm-hmm. how will they view me how will yep. they you know judge me and of course if we're adding in um, our own personal uh highs and lows and if it in- involves people that are close to us that are still alive okay they may read this and realize i'm talking about them even if i hide it Ooh, I don't want to mess that up. Like, that's everything that goes into your brain first. Yeah, and I yes. kid you not. So then what happens is that you duck down on it until um, you are literally inspired or pushed through the Holy Spirit. And that is what made me write my book because that was my final healing process for me. I, I that writing my book, was finally telling me, I am done with this. I am not worried about this. This doesn't hold me. This doesn't, you know, um, it's not keeping me down or anything like that. Now, when you're first writing that book, that first chapter, you are going to hold back so much. And it will take your publisher or whomever you allow to read the first chapter to say, hey, you're going to have to get real. You're going to have to get grimy. And you're going to have to cry through this chapter, whatever. And there were four or five chapters that when, as I was typing, I was in tears because I relived all of that. Mm. So I will say as quickly as the book came out, I just, something about it just like, nah, not when you're talking about your story, what you've been through, Uh baby, that is something that just, you just can't jump and say, okay, so I'm going to talk about this. And I'm going to say, no, because now you're taking yourself back and going back to what you have actually got, you know, you have survived from. Now you got to go back and relive all of that. It's like a soldier going back to war, except for he's not going to war with anybody else. He's going to war with himself because he got to stand in that, you know, in that, that, that field or whatever it was. And remember all the people he shot in him, the homie that died, you are literally reliving that. That is, does not take, you know, a whole month or whatever. I finished my book in a month, but that was because I had taken so much time each day, each week to just write because I was at my point where I'm like, I this cannot hold me anymore. Mm-hmm. So anytime you're writing a book, especially when you're talking about your life, it don't just happen overnight. I can guarantee you that. And I think that's because, the difference between someone yeah. who's truly anointed um, and has the unction by God to tell their story and to help other people and to wish for deliverance of other people through their story. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh, Lauren. 
Okay, yeah, and the difference okay. between someone who just wants to create another stream of income. And that's the thing. That's People the problem. Actually, that's the yes. problem. <laughs> so when you step, when you actually are telling your story, it isn't about income. None of it was about income. This was about, hey, I know people have heard here and there. Let me share my story so you can hear from the horse's mouth. I want to share what I've been through so that I can help the next person. Like Lauren was saying, you know, um, about when she was at her lowest of the lowest. Let me share what I went through, depression and anxiety. When um, Pam was talking about how she had anxiety, depression um, for college after she lost her uncle. Let me share all of that. And I'm going to share all of this so I can help the next person. But again, when you're going through that, when you're reliving that life, you don't always want to talk about it. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You don't always want to relive it because you're like, well, man, I'm at this part. If I start thinking about it, man, I might go back to that. No, nah. you, you have to get yourself mentally and spiritually, soulfully prepared to write a manifestation and share your story of what you've been through. Yeah. And so I it's, agree. I agree. You know, and I guess like I said, you don't take stuff from people. You get ideas. Ideas and just copy and paste and stuff ain't the same. <laughs> totally different. I y'all that right now. <laughs> but I'm just gonna copy and paste this real quick. Yes. I'm gonna switch <laughs> one or two words around. That's yes. what I'm gonna do. And I would say, yeah, you know, when you're doing that, you're talking about being up to like 12 or 1 or 2 at night writing this because then you start feeling the Holy Spirit like, Father, look what I done got through. You know, them tears don't become tears of pain. They become tears of joy because you can live that moment and remember when I had nothing, absolutely, positively nothing. And look at I, I'm sitting around in everything. You get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So... But you have to be you have to be authentic in helping people yes. and not yes. doing it just for another coin. Absolutely. And I know she, yeah, and I know she was, you know, she wanted to get to that million. And I think all of us do. But I and I think anybody who is truly successful will tell you this. When you do what your passion, the money comes. Yeah. It naturally comes. Yes, and before long, you didn't even know you had a million dollars. Yep, my my sister Nikki Perkins, Nicole uh, Beauty and Wellness, she says, Girl, I love her. Authenticity leads to profitability. Be authentic, be yourself, and do it for the right reasons. And the money, the money will come. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It will. It will naturally come because that your client, the person that can gravitate to you and say, like we were talking about, feels that you are authentic and I can relate to you because you can relate to me. They come. Well, guess what? It's about five other people that they tell, girl, I went to her and I guess mm-hmm. what um, And like I said, when you're first telling your story, I don't care if it's on a platform, if it's in a book, if it's in a journal, if it's on Facebook Live, it's hard. Yes, it, it is. is. hard because it's <laughs> not easy. It is not to share because all those thoughts go into mind. What are they thinking? You know, what were they going to say about me? You know, and then you start feeling, how do I say this? You reject yourself before others reject you. Does that make sense? That I agree. makes perfect sense. Yes, I agree. So, like I say, I think that's what made me want to ask about, you know, who's at your table because stuff like that, 
says a lot about, you know, who you set at your table, who you trusted with your most important thing, and that's your brand. You know what I'm saying? And the other thing I was going to ask, and then we can close out, is are you always at the head of your table? Uh huh. I'm asking, are you always at the head of your table? Well, I I think with all of us, we reserve that head spot uh, for God and his guidance, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but just in reference mm-hmm. to what you're saying, it depends. Uh-huh. On, for me, it depends on what the subject matter is that we're discussing. Um, I definitely am always there in a approval capacity. But if we are discussing finances, then I'm not at the head at that time because Lord knows mm. that's not my forte. <laughs> mm-hmm. Girl. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, in those moments, I will yield uh, to my treasurer's advice and I will lean not into my own understanding. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you said that. Yes. But I'll let Pam answer as well so Pam can tell you about her situation. <laughs> I know, right? So I guess with me, like Lauren said, God is at the head of the table. He is giving me directions so I can give it to my team. But on my board, I do not sit as the president. I have a president. (laughs) She is the head of that table. So, but at the same time, it's like a, a funnel. You're flowing different ideas, different things, different programming, whatever God has given you the vision, you're flowing it through your team. So, yes, God is the head, then it's you. And then whatever the subject line is, you are allowing that person that has the expertise to go forth in that. So I definitely definitely agree uh, what Lauren said when it comes to that. Because finances, that's not my thing either. That's I can, hey, you know what? I, have... I can do programming, <laughs> HR, admin, but when you talk about finances, I said, oh, you need to speak to my treasurer because that yes. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> you know, when it, I think I, I definitely relate to you guys in all aspects. Um, I definitely am a not-for-profit uh, when I'm sitting with my board. You know, I kind of scoot over when it comes to um, – events or getting funding because that's not my area and the you know my finance person is definitely that person because I'm like yeah baby let me tell you something me in in coins oh I can make the coins and I can spend the coins more than save the coins <laughs> so to make sure that the coins are still there let me scoot on over you yes. know what I'm saying um and definitely when it comes to you know HR or trying to get into schools there's always somebody that's wiser um and definitely more advanced so yes I definitely scoot on over and let them take charge as far as my Arthur business so or definitely building myself as an Arthur coach speaker I haven't really built that table mm-hmm. um so Aww. it's just me right now because I don't know where I wanted to go next um mm-hmm. and again that was, yeah that was why I was saying because I was so afraid I'm like because my platform and my clients are mostly white women so I don't know how to do this you know and I'm afraid and I was always saying father I am like real life afraid like I don't know how this gonna work (laughs) I'm glad I'm glad that you said that you do not know how to do this because none of us none of us do God does not give us a blueprint and say hey, Pam, this is step one, this is step two, and it's all written on paper, and it's in a book, and I need you to follow that. No, 
he's the God, which is so amazing, yes. but it's so difficult for us that, hey, Dana, I want you to write a book. <laughs> okay. How, how, how you want me to write a book? What you want me to what you want me to say in the book? Who yep. do you want me to sell it to? What does it supposed to look like? He is so amazing because he guides us and give us inklings and give us people that we need to connect to in yep. order for us to create the finished product. Yes. Yes. And I tell y'all, like, I don't know how to do this. So when I was talking to the young lady, her, her name, I can't remember her name, Sarah. That was her name, Sarah. And I was talking to her. We were filling it out. And I'm like, Lord, this is like the third white person that reaches out and wants to know how to build. And, and I'm, I don't know. I'm afraid. I'm scared. Will I scare off my uh, Melanin friends? <laughs> <laughs> Because oh, I try to be, you know, this is coffee talk, champagne thoughts. It's my champagne mindset. I'm not drinking wine, but I'm being honest. Uh, I'm like, am I going to scare them away? Um, are the white people using me to try to get to the black people? They're like, okay, she's almost white. So she can get there, you know. And then, you know, and the other side is, okay, are they authentic? You know, they really see me as something that is tangible or something that can be useful um, on what on the platform that they're doing. So I literally be like, Father, I, I'm afraid. I don't know how to do this. I can do rich girls all day because kids are my forte. But when it comes to this, I'm afraid. I'm scared. I don't know what to do because every time I do something, it's not my people. It's the, it's, yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. But I think mm -hmm. those connections are worth Yes. There's a woman, Erin Joy. Uh, and Erin Joy. Yeah. You I love know her? Yes. yes. She's she, actually going to I'm gonna reach out to her. She's going to be my next guest. But yes. yes. Definitely reach out to her, even beyond being a guest, but just in the business realm as well. Because she is such a fan of entrepreneurial women, regardless of race, creed, or color. She's done a collaborative book. Um, with the director of Grace Hill Women's Business Center, um, mm -hmm. Alice Herndon is one of the people that is part of her book, Dynamics oh, Woman, as well as I've been to her events where she's had Keisha Mabry, uh, Shaquana Hughes, uh, okay. you know, uh, Jay uh, was even one of her speakers. So, she, so sometimes it's just about linking with the right people who have mm -hmm. a heart and a passion for us and for um, our accomplishments and our endeavors, regardless of what we look like on the outside, because again, yeah. our, our common goals are the same. Uh, but yeah, yeah I was, I was, I'm so glad you're going to connect with Erin because I was going to suggest her um, because she's a great business consultant as well. Girl, I have my list down. Y'all will first, she next. <laughs> <laughs> but I, yeah, and like I say, um, I know this is a platform that I'm the most scared of, and I've learned with God. God's like, when you get comfortable, you stay there. And he's like, every time you get, every time I think you're finna get comfortable, I'm finna push you into something uncomfortable. And I'm like, come on. Yes. And he knows I can't, I cannot not do his will. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I know he just sitting there like, okay, whenever my daughter decides to get up, come on, yeah, gonna get up today, you know. But you, <laughs> but you know, Dana, there is freedom, freedom in our uncomfortability. Uncomfort if that makes yes. sense, there is yes. so freedom. There is mm -hmm. so much freedom when God said, "No, you are too comfortable right now. I need you to do this." Mm -hmm. Yes. 
Mm-hmm. And when you do this, mm-hmm. I am going to broaden your horizon. Yeah. Come on now. I am Come going on. to take you to a level that you never thought you can go. But if you were to stay just, oh, well, I'm just going to do this. Well, I'm just going to work with the kids, which is amazing. But he wants right. you to go into so many different levels, into so many different platforms. And we just got to stop being afraid. But that happens. Yeah, <laughs> it happens. And that's the thing. I'm afraid, but I cannot not do it. Does that make sense? Like I'm right. going shaking like a stripper in church, but I'm going to do it because I know how I will feel when I don't do it. And I've always said my biggest fear is dying tomorrow, not doing what I could have did today. Mm-hmm. That's my biggest fear. And like, that is one of my biggest fears. There's someone who told me, they said, always keep in mind that there is a woman out there somewhere who is kneeling down on her knees tonight, praying out to God for someone like you to speak Mm. life into her for someone like you to send a word that can just help her keep pressing on. And if you never stretch yourself to the fullness of what God Mm. has for you, she may not get her prayers answered. Come on now. Y'all ain't going to have church on a Thursday. I mean, on a Wednesday. (laughs) On a Wednesday. Thursday. It's Thursday. It's Thursday. Yeah. Look here, let me tell y'all something. Y'all gonna have to get off of here because we gonna start shouting and praying. These folks gonna be like, okay, so are we listening to the tears rolling? <laughs> and I don't want somebody talking about y'all made me have an accident because I start shouting. And I was like, well, first of all, sis, it wasn't supposed to be like that. You know what I'm saying? You're supposed to pull over first. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Well, I want to thank you ladies for your time. Thank you for sharing your gems. You guys dropped so many nuggets on today. Um, Make sure, go ahead, Pam, tell them who you are again and how they can find you. Hello, everyone. I am, hello again. I am Pamela (laughs) Davis, the founder and CEO of Queen of Resilience. You can find me on Facebook as Pamela Davis. And with Queen of Resilience, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram. And our website is www.qornow.com. Lauren, go ahead and tell them once again what they, who you are and how they can find you, Chad. Absolutely. My name is Lauren Spearman. I go by the Bounce Back Advocate. And you can find me on Facebook under Lauren Spearman. You can find me on Instagram under The Official Lauren. My website launching soon, bouncebackadvocate.com. So those are the places where you can find me. Ladies, again, I just want to thank you for, again, taking your time to share all um, information. The episode today was all about who's at your table. And they told you who's at your table, who don't need to be at your table. Again, this is Arthur Dana Lynn. You guys can find me on all the social media platforms at Arthur Dana Lynn. And you can go to my website, ArthurDanaLynn.com, to buy my book today. Until next time.